You're listening to From the Clubhouse, a National Club Golfer podcast. Hey everybody, I'm Steve Carroll. Welcome to the From the Clubhouse podcast. Now, who's up for some rules chat? Uh, Whether it's a result of the changes that came in at the start of 2019 or the ability to discuss in real time incidents on the pro tours, thanks to social media, there's no doubt that interest in the rules of golf have surged in recent years. It's permeated through every part of the game. Each week, I field plenty of questions from you as part of National Club Golfer's Rules of Golf Explained column. Helping to drive that interest forward is my guest this week, the RNA's Director of Rules, Grant Moyer. Grant's Rules from the Garden and the 12 Rules of Christmas have been some of the video highlights of golf during lockdown, and the recent Rules Week held by the governing body has just reinforced that. So we talked about the new refereeing qualification that's just been launched, what an average non-COVID day looks like in the rules department, and Grant reveals one of his favourite refereeing memories. Hope you enjoy. Well, it's not very often on the From the Clubhouse podcast that we are graced with golfing celebrity, but I am delighted to welcome the star of the uh, 12 Rules of Christmas and Rules from the Garden, the RNA's Director of Rules, Grant Moyer. Grant, welcome. <laughs> Thank you very much, Steve. Thank you for that uh, introduction. Uh, I'm not commonly referred to in that way either. Well, we had a little bit of fun there, didn't we? But uh, the, the serious point is that um, there's a real surge in interest, I think, in the rules of golf at the moment. And the success of, of, of that content really just displayed that, didn't it? It, it did. It, we were very pleased with how well it was received. Obviously, it came out at a time when people were unable to get on the golf course, uh, probably frustrated, uh, confused. And it, it seemed to hit the mark with the whole sort of golf at home uh, video content that was going out in social media and, and the rules from the garden fitted in nicely there. There seems to be um, a remarkable surge in interest in the rules, actually, over the last couple of years, whether it be as a result of the um, 2019 changes or um, the increased scrutiny that we see um, from social media on uh, rules incidents at tour events, for example. I mean, how, how do you explain the um, huge rise in, in rules-related questions and in just in general interest of the rules? There's no doubt that the, the attention that we uh, gave to the modernization of the rules, the introduction of the new rules in 2019, peaked interest. Uh, it was a big story at the time, and, and that seems to have continued through to now. Um, we felt good about the rules. We feel good about what we did with the rules at that, at that time. And, and so we're probably more outward facing and we're producing more content. We, we we're, feel good about getting people into the rules and, uh, and we feel that they're easier to understand and apply. And so I think the fact that, that we're producing more content means that there's more interest. 
Um, there's certainly interest at the highest levels of the game, as you say, when when a rules issue arises on on tour, the cameras stay there. They don't move off to to watch something else because I think they know that the viewers at home are interested as well. And I think overall, that that is great because what we want is for more golfers to understand more about the basics of the rules of golf. I mean, there are always going to be complicated situations that are a bit unusual. But I think that with the new rules and with the attention on the rules, it gives us a great opportunity to have more people feeling like they are comfortable with the basics of the rules of golf. And have you seen that? Have you seen a, a rise in concurrent knowledge as a result? I mean, clearly you're getting um, inquiries into your department and your uh, the rules department are always asked questions. I mean, do you, do you see um, a rise in standards, if that's the right word? It, it would be wrong of me to say that I can quantify that. Uh, we are going to be looking at ways to try and, and um, evaluate the interaction with the rules and, and the understanding of the rules. But the, but when we do see our page views on our website, when we see the, the downloads of our app, when we uh, see the interaction with our social media content, it has to point to the, to the fact that, that more people are engaging with it. And, and hopefully the way we're trying to explain it in, in simple terms it sometimes in light-hearted terms means that it's sticking with people. So the, the golfers are, are really grasping the basics, I would say, in a in far better way than they've done in the past. And that's an important point, isn't it, actually? And, and particularly the, the RNA phone app. I mean, the rules are more accessible to us now than they've ever been, aren't they? They are, and and we we see this as being the way forward. Uh, you know, there's going to be so much focus on our digital output uh, over the coming years because we did we we did get some um, uh, feedback from golfers earlier uh, last year, uh, and I think that uh, you know the, the days of of it being frowned upon to take your phone onto the golf course are are gone, and uh, the information that we got was that. 80% of golfers have their phone on the golf course. And so for us, that's the potential for 80% of golfers to have the rules of golf on the golf course. And that's what the app does. And, and also it's, it's the access to the rules through the app. It's not necessarily just about, well, I need to find the rule and I need to read the words. There's a visual search there, which, which hopefully takes you to the relevant content more easily. There's having video explanation. We, we know again from work that we've done with, with junior golfers and the like that people look to video for their answers now. They go and search it on, and they, they find their instructions on YouTube and the like. And, and obviously we're very much geared towards providing people with that information in that user-friendly way. Well, as we're speaking, the RNA have just held a very successful rules week, and the um, pivotal part of that was a new qualification in refereeing that was introduced. Um, you'll be delighted to know that um, when we wrote this story, Grant, um, I had a number of representations for people who were very interested in, in taking this further. So if you could just give me, um, for those who haven't heard about it yet, the background behind the new qualification and, and how people might be able to take part in the future. Sure, sure. Well, uh, up to now, we've had sort of three levels of, of rules education. And that th level three 
the highest level, has involved refereeing and aspects of tournament administration, but those have not been assessed, as it were. So really, it, we've been talking about three levels of rules, tests, rules, examinations. So without that practical element and, and without that practical element, we've never felt comfortable in saying that somebody was an RNA qualified referee because the fact is that other than seeing them perhaps give a few rulings in a role play situation, we, we couldn't uh, vouch for, for their ability to referee. Over the last number of years, we've been working much more closely with our national federations around the world, establishing you know, really close relationships in terms of our, our uh, rules education programme. And that's put us in the position now where we think that working collaboratively with them, we can introduce a system of, of assessment in the practical sense of refereeing and tournament administration and um, with assessors on the ground working to uh, you know, guidelines that we've provided. So that, in some ways, that's the missing piece of the jigsaw is uh, being able to assess aspiring referees uh, in the field. So this is this is what we've introduced now with um, this RNA qualified referee opportunity. So it's in essence at this level four. Uh, we think it's going to be really beneficial to the game, to those who are organizing competitions around the world to be able to say, well, you know, here, here's the list of RNA qualified referees in this part of the world. And if we've got, you know, an elite level tournament, then these are the people we might want to get involved. And I think it provides that pathway. So if somebody's starting out thinking they're interested in the rules, they can go onto our website, they can do level one, the rules academy, and there is that obvious progression. Now, in any sport, there are lots and lots of people that are involved in, in competition administration and refereeing, and you know, not everybody's going to go on to be uh, John Paramore or Andy McPhee, and not everybody in rugby goes on to be Nigel Owens, but there is that pathway there, uh, and, and we think this is really going to help and, and hopefully get more, as you said, with the surge in interest, if people are really, really interested in taking it further, then then this pathway, this RNA qualification will provide that motivation. So you would still see people um, doing level one, level two and going through TARS at level three before going on to this or would this qualification sit alongside level three? No, it's very much it's very much a case of a progression. So it's the steps up the ladder. You need to go through one, two, and three, and then and then once once you've shown that you've got the the rules knowledge by getting through level three, then it's a case of saying, okay, uh, can you put this into practice on the field of play? Yeah, that'd be really interesting, I think, as well, because. Um after level three um the onus has been rather on the individual hasn't it or the national association to then utilize the talents of someone who's been through the three-stage system whereas by introducing a level four and, and giving the rna the opportunity to, to to provide that practical assessment um it just brings another element doesn't it it, it does and and there will still be uh, very much an onus on the on the national body, and uh, we're going to be working closely with with the national bodies 
in terms of taking those that have gone through the level three onto that next stage. Um, but I think what it does do is it's going to mean that there's a, a consistency in terms of how people are then trained from that point onwards. Because the reality is that, that you can get involved in refereeing after, say, doing your level three, and it can take you a very long time to actually gather the skills that you need in the tournament setting. I mean, we, you can almost equate it to the, 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 if you're playing around with golf and the amount of time spent on actually striking the ball, you know, there, there are stats on that compared to how long it takes you to play. If you're a referee at a tournament, the amount of time spent giving rulings versus the amount of time you sit there <laughs> doing other things is, is very, very small. So in actual fact, to get this experience, you, you need to create it. And whether that's creating it by shadowing other people, whether it's creating it by being in role play scenarios, creating it by uh, you know, ensuring that it's all of the elements of tournament administration, in addition to refereeing, that is the, the, that is the focus. Uh, we think that by providing this curriculum, uh, for want of a better word, it's going to accelerate people's progress in terms of gathering the skills that they need to be really effective referees um, in the tournament setting. And, and you've hinted at a, quite an important point there. Um, there's a very diff there's a big difference, isn't there, between having good rules knowledge in a book and practically applying that knowledge in the field, as it were. Absolutely right. And uh, and some people, probably the minority, uh, can can apply the rules in the field very quickly and very easily because perhaps they just have that that personality, they have those people skills, they have that that confidence. Majority, it it takes a while to get comfortable uh, uh, to to take your knowledge of the book onto the course and apply it in a practical setting. And, and some of that is just about learning the most efficient ways to convey the information. Some of that is about how you interact with the individuals that you're, you're dealing with. It's a key part of this next stage of development. Um, you're putting something to a player who is probably you know, it may have hit his ball or her ball into a place they don't want to be. They might be a bit fraught. They might be a bit tense. They might not know who you are. For you to then put them at ease, uh, take them through the situation in, in a calm, authoritative way, um, in a helpful way, is a skill. And it's a skill that needs to be developed. Yeah, it's kind of part knowledge, part diplomat, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And and look, we've you know, probably most people listening are, are will be into a variety of different sports and they can they'll have pictures in their minds of, of referees who who they see handling situations very well and, and dealing with the, the, the players very well and, and and that's what makes a that's what makes a good referee. It's applying the rules accurately, but in an empathetic way and in a way that is easy for people to to understand and grasp. And and actually, you know, you're trying to avoid 
the conflict rather than create conflict. And it would be remiss of me to talk about um, RNA Rules Week without mentioning the Junior Rules School, School with a K. Um, it, it's important, isn't it, to start um, the rules knowledge at a young age, not only um, to uh, get a good grounding and to carry that over into club golf, but it's important, isn't it, to um, get people interested in refereeing at a young age. I have, uh, I have a perception of, of, of refereeing um, as... Um, it's something that's largely done by a county level, for example, by people who might be retired or might have spare time on their hands. But to, to get that knowledge enshrined in people at a young age is going to be very important going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the, the nice thing about this is it shows you know, we're, we're obviously very interested in referee qualification at the, the elite end of the game. Equally, and if not more so, it's important at, at grassroots level. The fantastic thing about golf um, is that it is self-regulating. You know, it relies on honesty, integrity, but it also relies on people being able to apply the basics of the rules. And and we'd like to get to a position where it's a you know it's a given that that juniors coming into the game will will be told, you know at least enough about the rules to get them through most rounds of rounds of golf. And so this focus on, on the junior rules school is really important to us. Obviously how we put that information across to, to engage with that younger audience is, is key. And, and so again, we've, um, we've produced content that I think is, is appropriate for the audience. Hopefully they'll find it fun. You know, you learn more if it's fun, and that's the the whole thing about the junior rules school. It's got a it's got a serious purpose, but we want people to enjoy the experience of learning about the rules. Well, obviously, as the director of rules, you are the head of a, what I imagine is a busy department. I want you to try and remember a time uh, pre-COVID. <laughs> it seems such a long time ago now. And um, when we were all face to face in an office, for those who might not know what the rules department does, just take us through um, some of the workload that that lands on the desks. Well, we we obviously work with the rules of golf. We also work with the rules of amateur status. So we're we're involved in in those sort of transitions out of the amateur game and and more particularly back into the amateur game if if, um, professionals are looking to be reinstated. But I think if you're to ask any of uh, anybody on the the team, uh, in normal circumstances, the the beauty of the role is that it's quite varied. Um, We have a combination of office time and and a combination of time on the, the road, quite a nice balance. But in terms of of the day-to-day work, the governance work, if you like, we're involved in interpreting the rules, um, answering queries on the rules from all over the world. Uh, We have regular meetings with our Rules of Golf Committee, uh, RNA Rules of Golf Committee. We, We have exchanges regularly with the USGA, so we're always... Um, reviewing the rules. It's a a constant uh, process of review. We had this very significant modernization uh, process that came to fruition in 2019, but, you know, we we knew that the the, the job is never done and and our aim to continue to 
uh, make the rules easier to understand and, and, and apply is is ongoing. So we've we we work with the technical side of of the rules on a day to day basis, but then we also are involved heavily, as we've spoken about already, about the education uh, on the rules and access to the rules. So whether that be education through our website, through the Rules Academy, whether it's uh, seminars, um, whether it's working with uh, national bodies, providing them with PowerPoint materials, video content and the like. So that access element as well is, is very much part of what we do. And uh, you focus on the website, focus on the app. So all of these sort of uh, digital technical aspects that are so important to meeting the, 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 the demand, the surge that you've spoken about. And then we have the, the championship side of it. So it's, it's the, if you like, walking the walk. Uh, we have our RNA championships that, that the rules team supports. We are fortunate enough to be asked to um, attend other events as guest officials, whether that be in the European Tour, whether it be other majors, whether uh, it be the Ladies European Tour. So I think it's important not only when you're writing rules that, you, that you're involved in applying them in the field, but also when you're educating on rules, then to, to be able to say, well, I've been in that position and, and I, I found it hard or this is something that I found that helped. Uh, it is really important to have that uh, on-course experience. So the championship involvement is, is a key part of what we do as well. I imagine um, answering queries from all over the world, you have a very busy inbox at times. Yeah, I need to be careful what I say here because I'm sure my team would say that their inboxes are busy and, and I, 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 probably because of the ones that I, I pass on. But we've all, over the years, you know, particularly when you've been involved for a long time, uh, you have your, your close contacts that will come to you with, with questions. And uh, yeah, it, it's good because, because sometimes you can spend too long dealing with with management and administration aspects and uh, and actually to get back into the detail of the rule and rules and get the books open it, it is important and uh, it keeps you sharp so yeah we've all got our we, we all have our queries that you know we're always fighting our inboxes a little bit and you made a, a very important point earlier as well about um, the rules being a constantly evolving beast, if that's the right word. I mean, it's almost a living entity, isn't it? Um, for those who might not be aware, there are regular clarifications issued um, when needed each quarter. And I mean, traditionally in the past, the rules were kind of reviewed, semi-reviewed on a four yearly basis, weren't they? So there, there are always things going on. You're absolutely right. Um... It, it never ceases to amaze me what can happen on a course that has you know, that you've never encountered before. Uh, we we do believe that, that the rules are in a good place and that we have simplified them considerably. But golf is a is a complex game. Uh, you've no doubt heard this said before, but it is unlike any other sport in terms of the 
the arena that we play in and the the variety of of you know vegetation you know animal life all sorts of things that, that are just very different from one place to the next and so uh, there's always something that is cropping up that is making us examine the rules and and whether they're um, correct as drafted in in certain situations so yeah it does seem to be a it's a constant. It's a bit like it's it's the painting of the the fourth road bridge, the fourth rail bridge uh, type of situation where you know you get to the end and then you you start again. I mean the rules are obviously applied to all of us, no matter what level we play at, and I think that's a point that might sometimes be lost on people. But obviously the the highest scrutiny uh, comes at um, the major championships and, and and particularly the Open. I mean we see uh, a referee giving a ruling at a particular point in time on television, but um, that's just one point in time, isn't it? There's obviously a huge amount that goes on behind the scenes to make a successful championship from a rules perspective. So can you take me through what a rules week might look like at a major championship? Yeah, you're right. The, the, the amount of time spent on rulings themselves is uh, probably quite small compared to the amount of preparation that goes into getting to that point. And like most things, uh, the, the key to a successful championship from a rules perspective, from any perspective, is, is about the preparation. And that's what we will spend a lot of our time focusing on. So Sometimes it's very much resource-driven. Uh, we're uh, fortunate at the RNA with our staff members and our committee uh, members that uh, we we are able to resource our championships. But uh, it it's about getting there in time to review the course, find out where the difficulties might arise and either make sure that you you know how to deal with those difficulties and make sure all your referees know how to deal with them or taking action that means that they're no longer difficulties and that can be about writing your local rules in um, you know as clever a way as possible so as to avoid difficult situations it can be about marking the course and when we say marking the course it's about um, you know, your red and your yellow stakes around penalty areas. It's about ensuring that your boundaries are clearly marked. It's about ensuring that if there are damaged areas that you mark them as ground under repair. All of these things, if, if done smartly, can, can help to avoid difficult rule situations which can negatively impact on pace of play, which can cause controversy. So the, the preparation in advance uh, in terms of preparing the course, marking it properly, preparing your local rules, and then making sure that your referees are fully on top of all of those situations. And that, that's the key to a, a successful championship. And even with all of that, you cannot predict everything that's going to happen. But uh, as long as you're comfortable that you've you've done everything that you can in preparation, then, then you can win the when, it, when the championship starts on the Thursday morning or whenever it is, you, you feel good about about your advanced work and then you take it from there. One of the interesting things I read was a piece that you wrote about personal preparation in the sense that um, you took your team uh, a couple of years ago out to King's Barnes to do some pre-season practice, if that was the, the, the right way to put it. I mean, the 
you, keeping yourself on top of the rules and practicing those situations that you might find yourself in um, is, is something that perhaps a number of us who are interested in the rules might not have thought about. Yeah, well, I'm glad you raised that, and I and I wrote about it because I did think that that it was something that people perhaps wouldn't envisage that we we did. Um, you know, if you're a if you're a tour referee and you're doing you're spending you know half of your year refereeing, then you probably never get rusty, and that's uh, uh, which is great. But for the rest of us who you know some volunteers might do two or three championships a year you know ourselves on staff you know we might do six or seven uh, a year so it's not a huge amount and and if you haven't been out there for three or four months over the over the winter then you will be rusty and and you don't really have two or three rulings to warm yourself up you need to be on the ball from the from the first one so so we do this we we just go out three or four of us or five of us or or more uh, basically start throwing balls down for one another and then uh, if you're the person in the hot seat you've got to give the ruling and and we've always found that giving rulings in front of your peers and your colleagues is actually quite a good thing to replicate the pressurized situation of giving a ruling in a in a championship because you don't want to get it wrong but the good thing is that uh, you can get it wrong. I mean, the reason we're, we're doing it is because we might feel a bit rusty. So you can pick apart how you've given a ruling. And it might not be that, that the ruling itself uh, was inaccurate. It might just be that you didn't handle it in, in as in as clear a way as you could have done or your approach to the player wasn't as slick as it might have been uh, so all of these things just help uh to to make sure that when you do get out there uh, facing somebody who's playing for their living or or not it might just be uh, an amateur event you feel a bit more prepared uh, so the, the role play is so easy to do uh you just need a couple of you that know a bit about the rules the golf ball in a club and start throwing them down and practice how easy is it or how hard is it actually to keep a handle on your nerves in that situation when you're um, confronted with perhaps a, a tricky ruling at a major championship? I, I mean, I know, um, and we talked about this off air, you know, I write a regular rules column and I have this moment on a Friday morning when it's released where I'm nervous about whether I've actually got the answer right. And I've had a week to go, <laughs> to go through the rule book and have a look at it. You're making a decision in real time in front of an audience of millions, effectively, for a major championship. I mean, how, how, how do you keep your mind fresh and clear to interpret all that knowledge in that um, moment? Well, I, I suppose that with m most things, it, it, it depends how you're feeling in terms of your, your comfort zone. and. I always find it quite interesting when you listen to to the best golfers in the world when, and they talk about the Ryder Cup, for example, or the first tee at the Open, and you just never imagine these men or women 
thinking that they're so nervous that all they want to do is make contact with the ball. But you know, they, they say that in relation to their first open or playing in the Ryder Cup. And, and that's because they've it's taken them to that new level where they feel outside their comfort zone. And, and I think the reality is with refereeing is every time you move up those levels, you, you, you go outside your comfort zone. And for most people, that will mean that they're nervous. And it's, and it's just a, it's a matter of time until you get to the point where you feel comfortable at the, the level that you're at. Um, so you know, I think I feel more relaxed now, the, certainly more relaxed now than I, than I did when I started out refereeing at professional events. And, um, but inevitably the, the butterflies are, are still there to a certain extent. Um, but you just, yeah. the more you've done it, the easier it is to, to cope with it, the greater confidence you have in your ability and probably the more relaxed you feel in dealing with the, the individuals that you're, you're dealing with. And there's always, as we, we say as well, it doesn't matter whether you're the chief referee, whether you're a first timer uh, at an event, you're not on your own. There's somebody there that can help you if you if you have a a mind blank or if you simply don't know the answer because you've never had the situation before, then don't guess. Get on the radio. Somebody's there to help. That's that's one thing to always bear in mind. Well, it's not very often we get the opportunity to speak to someone who's been privileged to referee at all the major championships, uh, not least um, all the other big golfing events. So I can't let you go, Grant, without asking you about some of your favourite memories of refereeing in your time doing all of these big events. Yeah, I, I mean, I've got, I mean, I've got great memories of the of the events themselves. Um, you know, as you said, the, the fact that I've had the chance to referee all of the majors is is amazing. I mean, obviously, the Open Championship is the one that is dearest to my heart, uh, and and I never cease to feel privileged and honoured to to continue to be a part of the Open. But obviously, going to you wouldn't be surprised to hear that going to Augusta for the first time was quite something. Uh, even just you know walking the grounds and and that that. As many people have said, that feeling of, of being able to see the topography of the course when when all when you've spent so many years watching it on television, that was the real a real thrill. And uh, I had quite a, a quite a few, a few rulings in my first year at Augusta. Uh, one of them with Arnold Palmer, who was coming towards the end of his career. So that that was an amazing experience. I think certainly being involved in golf's return to the Olympics in Rio was just just an incredible experience. I was quite heavily involved in the build-up to that as well as an R the RNA representative on the competitions committee. So that that was terrific. But I, I go back to my first uh, my first European tour event as a referee, and it was the Irish Open back in '97. And, and just to put it in perspective, I was 26 years old. So so very young, very inexperienced. And uh, at that point, you're dealing with players that, that you've been watching on television since you, you, know, you were uh, at primary school. And my first ruling there was with Sam Torrance. So again, at that point, you know, a legend in the game. And, and that ruling went quite 
quite well. It was pretty straightforward. I actually had to deny relief, but it, it was fairly easy and he took it pretty well. So I, th I was thinking, well, this is, this is all right, this refereeing business at the, at the highest level. And then the next ruling I was called to was with uh, Podrick, Podrick Harrington. And, and actually he was, we were pretty he's a, similar in, in age. He's a little bit younger than me. And I'd been involved with, with him um, in, in R&A amateur events. So in, in, a, in reality, this one should have been more straightforward. Uh, his his ball had pitched um, in a wet fairway and it jumped back, so it wasn't embedded, but it was sitting behind uh, the pitch mark, so it wasn't in a great spot. But because the fairway was very wet, when he took his stance, there was water bubbling around up at, at his feet. So as you can imagine, he was quite keen to get relief from that uh, that time casual water, now temporary water, um, and I was. And I was uh, giving him relief because I, I could see water around his feet. And at that point, uh, his playing uh, companion was uh, Sir Nick Faldo. Uh, and he came over and he started to, to say to both of us that he didn't believe that, that there was enough water visible for uh, relief to be granted. Um, and that he wanted to take this matter up with the chief referee. And it was at that point that I realised, OK, we're at the sharp end here. This is not quite as uh, straightforward as I, as I thought it was. I, I'm giving relief um, here for temporary water. I think it's pretty straightforward. And all of a sudden I've got uh, you know, the Masters and Open champion telling me that I'm making a mistake and, and that he wants a private conversation with the chief referee. So it was welcome, welcome to the European Tour, young man. That was uh, how I felt at that time. Well, I, I really hope, Grant, that we can get back to normality for the Open at Royal St George's and you can have an incident-free time, hopefully, um, down in Kent. Uh, thanks very much for joining us on the From the Clubhouse podcast. It was great to speak to you. Well, I, I hope that uh, we see everybody down there. Uh, we're, we're very much looking forward to getting going again with the Open Championship and uh, really appreciate you having me on, Steve, and uh, we'll look forward to catching up soon.